citizens of the verse. Today is March 13th, 2953, and welcome to another episode of Citizen Cast. We're a Star Citizen podcast here to discuss what's going on in the game and its development. I'm your host, Way Too Geeky, and I'm joined today by none other than Son of Ulf himself, Seaguard. Hello, Seaguard. Hello. <laughs> that says uh, hello. Hello. Olaf. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, we've got back from the shadowy abyss stopping by mm-hmm. while there's no relevant gameplay experience. Mm-hmm. We've got Ov, son of Czech. Hello. <laughs> uh, Czech is here. <laughs> Hello, Chekhov. Welcome back. Thank it's you. It's good to hear your, your voice. Back. So I rather wonder- than than our typical um, format. I figured, you know, 318 is live and we've had a lot of experiences. Um, it's finally live. I wanted to know what everybody thought so far. Check off since it's been a while since we've heard from you. What What are your thoughts on the patch so far? How are you experiencing uh, it? Sure. Call, uh, call me out this time around. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to just say, what did you do in the verse? That would be funny, right? Uh, yeah. Considering the camera, really that's what we would talk artist. about anyway, you know. Yeah. So, um, what? Where do I start? The I guess the 19ks and the 30ks, and then the 60ks. So every time you try to log in, you get a different error message. A different K. <laughs> yeah, a different K. Then finally, oh, but I did make it in a few times, and believe it or not, the first time around. It was actually really not bad when I finally made it in. Mm-hmm. And I took the vulture out and I stripped the whole ship, but then I walk down below and it total zero. Nothing went into inventory. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm not even sure if it works for anyone, but it's probably all related to what's going on in the verse. Okay. Um yeah. It's for those who are living under some sort of star citizen rock or anyone who's new to the game, the patch is a little bit of a dumpster fire. Um, Seagard, how about yourself? Had you had success? I thought you did, right? Yeah. I've had three, three successful entries and extended stage where I could actually play a little bit and uh, run missions. And the last one uh, I was very daring because dinner was ready and I needed to get off before my wife, uh, divorced me mm-hmm. yeah so i logged out in bed <sighs> so you may yeah. not be able to log back in today oh i'm sure i can't they killed me <laughs> <laughs> it was fatal <laughs> you are incapacitated <laughs> when you logged out or when you got back in no no when i logged out as soon as oh i got goodness. into the bed it started <laughs> just killing me <laughs> it was funny but other than that it, you know when i did get in it played very well and I very, played very a lot well. with it in the uh, PTU. So for several months, you know, better part of the two months I had been playing in the PTU. Mm-hmm. So you're saying um, it played very well in PU? You must be the only person that <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it, it was it was moving. I was, you know, um, I was able to take off, take out of the hangar, no problem. I was able to get my ships, take the elevators. It, frame rates were high um the other day and I, in fact i was on i got on and the server rate frame rate was 30 so 
you know, I played that one for a while, but yeah, I was able to get off or get out at New Babbage, uh, fly out on my Aurora, fly off to, um, can't remember the place, one of the research centers and walk around and loot and do all sorts of stuff and put it in the ship and load three boxes up and come back and sell it. And I did that three times. The last time I decided to log out at the, at the ground station, uh, the research center. So that's when I died. It actually, I had some kind of collision thing happened because it didn't, <laughs> it didn't shut me down immediately. I mean, I actually had a minute and 30 seconds before I was going to die, but I was, couldn't heal. I couldn't get out of bed. Yeah. Wow. I was, I was dead. So, Not good. Well, yeah. At least your wife didn't divorce you. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. I don't want to give up half my ships. I was able to log in without a problem. I had one 1900 error the first time I tried, and then I closed the app and started again, and I was able to get in, and I hadn't, I haven't had much problem getting in uh, since then, except for the other day. There was a little bit of a, um infinite loading screen, but I think it had to do with the character service being out. Um, for me, <coughs> the problems have been more in-game. For some reason, the game does not like my vulture. Uh, it, it does not want to spawn it in certain locations. Um, it um, particularly Lorville was really bad for trying to spawn and and, and claim ships. I don't know why. Um, and the trains at Lorville were really bad in terms of showing up. Um, I think any pretty much anything having to do with inventory outside of my own personal inventory was hellacious. Uh, so purchasing anything, uh, trying to um, put any uh, change any of the components on my ships, it were paint colors or anything, um, those were all bad. Um, I will say the patch itself, in terms of the way the graphics are performing and sort of the um, performance in general, was really strong. Like I didn't, fe- I felt like I was getting pretty good FPS. Um, you know, so the Gen 12 stuff might be doing wonders, but the patch itself was a bit of a hot mess for me. Yeah, one of the things on the last the last time I went in there, I had a really high tick rate on the server. Well, the the frame rate on the server, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the AI at New Babbage was just moving around. I mean, there was nothing. There was nobody strolling. They were moving at a clip, walking and spreading out and getting things and and checking things at the counter and the guys behind the counter were fidgeting and scratching their hair and checking their watches and reaching down for stuff. It was actually more animated than the bartender is a lot of times. Yeah, the um, bartenders weren't so animated at New Babbage that I could tell. Well, they were animated. They just didn't bring you a drink or ask you what you wanted. They wiped the counter a lot sat there fidgeting. Um, and for some reason there were like clones of every bartender there, except for the, the one who was supposed to be a mission giver, Eddie Parr. Um, yeah, I think they, it actually, whatever you're describing, if that's like going back to Friday and Saturday, but yesterday everything got progressively worse. Oh, I, I don't know. It was bad for me the whole time. So, Oh, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, except the, for the, yesterday was exceptionally bad. But 
Um, one thing I did notice too that was a little weird, and I don't know if this is acting as intended, but I was trying to play with the vulture the first night Friday, and um, that was the smoothest night for me. I think. I think. Um, but I could not find any debris. I couldn't find any ships in in. I, I know they had too many at one point in time, but this was like, I couldn't find any. I was just finding asteroids and it was, um, you know, it's going to be hard for people to test if you're not going to find them, you know, for every 10 asteroids, at least one wreck. Um, we were Lusteroth and I were planning on trying to uh, search. Well, he was going to create the wrecks for me. Yeah, that's what, that's exactly what we did. We created, we figured out how to do an insurance fraud. You kill the Aurora, soft of the Aurora, and then just uh, stop. Oh, he wasn't doing that. He was doing bounty missions, and I oh. was cleaning up the bounties. No, he was just, uh, he would, uh, the guy I played with, he would just get out of his Aurora. I would shoot it down, mm-hmm. and it, will, it would break up, and it would just salvage it. Oh, yeah. We were not doing that. Yeah, we were doing bounties at least. Um, but, you know, CIG's posted a lot about they were aware of the errors, folks. It is frustrating. But yeah. they, they did warn us it was going to be chaotic. They said it. That Maybe they didn't say it as, as bold of a... They, they said there were, we are bound to have issues, right? Um, I don't know if they were prepared for this level of issue, um, across a lot of different services, but you know, we will see it get corrected. Don't don't fret. I, I think this is why they probably didn't announce a free fly until they know they fixed this first. Yeah. Right. Sorry if I um if I randomly go silent, it's because I'm coughing, uh, hacking up a lung. Well, I think the latest official note was uh, on eighteen point one patch is. Um, until then, expect issues. Yeah. Well, the way they made it sound is that we can expect 18.1 really fast, though. Like, maybe as early as this week, if not next. But, who? I mean, that's who's to say that I'm not going to not going to hold my breath because it's really complicated issues. And, you know, I'm not shocked that they're having these problems. So sorry, I keep coughing. Um, well, we had an interesting um, week last week in terms of content. Uh, they eschewed the typical Journey to 4.0. I mean, eschewed the ISC for a Journey to 4.0. And Seaguard, you were right. They, they did do the design brief for the engineer profession, which is yeah. exciting. Um, it's so be fun. Yeah. Be so cool. Yeah. So w- what we learned from the episode, uh, first of all, of course, as you would expect, engineering is going to be tied into the resource management system. Um, systems will experience things like heat, wear and tear, malfunctions. If something gets too hot, you can use coolers or extinguishers in order to cool them down. If the, co- Of course, if that's the coolers aren't working. Uh, and then you can use either torches or they even said flamethrowers. Um Wear and tear happens over time, um, so you want to make sure that you're keeping your components maintained, regularly checking on them. 
Um, you're more likely to have a malfunction if maintenance, maintenance isn't done. And then they did mention a number of different malfunctions that can occur. Uh, and those are disconnects, misfires, blockages, surges, leakages, and bugs. Um, the systems will also have different states, such as ignition, boot, active, prime, cool down, and restart. So as an engineer, you'll need to understand what state the component is in in order to determine the right procedure to use in order to fix it and relieve the problem. Uh, there's also three different type archetypes of engineer, or they, they set it more around the lines of three different hats an engineer can wear. There's the tuner, who is a sort of before the journey starts, right? They pre-select the performance windows that... Um, components can run on as well as the efficiency of the given component in order to match any anticipated gameplay. So for example, if you want to travel long distance and reduce consumption of fuel and or um, energy, or if you want to perform at a very low signature, the tuner can set that up so that there's a predetermined range that you can actually use the, uh, the given component at in order to um, make sure it's within that parameter. Then there's the mechanic, right? That's the person moving about the ship, fixing components and relays and and fuses and whatever else might be going on, um, maybe putting out fires. And then there's the manager, the person who's looking at the interface, determining what issues are coming about using the UI and triaging the mechanic to do certain things. Um, they mentioned how it is in active development right now, now that the de design brief is finished. And, um, you know, it took a while to come up with this because there are so many different systems that this touches and required a lot of different people in the room to make a decision. Uh, and ultimately, they hinted that it'll be coming sooner than we would expect. Um, I wouldn't get my hopes too high up, but, you know, I would imagine within a year at this point or maybe close to it. Uh, so that was that was the journey to 4.0. Lots of content. The imagery was all fluffed, so it was a conceptualization of what to expect. But the the talking points were all um, what the design is is targeting. So uh, check off. Did you have a chance to see that? No, I didn't catch that one. Actually. Oh, it's really good. The one before that, but I may go back and watch it. Oh, it's really good. Uh, Seager, it, it what, is. What'd you think? First of all, I thought the the animations were just hilarious. I mean, yeah. they were funny. Your yeah. ship's falling out of the sky vertically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the guy exploding off the toilet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there was some funny stuff in there. Um, I was, I was kind of surprised by things like the flamethrowers and, you know, the heat, they heat things up. I mean, I get it. That's kind of an ad hoc way to do things or a makeshift way to do things. I, that's cool. Um, I was yeah. very impressed with it. Uh, I think it's um, it, it certainly works well when you think of each of those roles as being a separate individual on a ship. Um, but when you look at a ship and you think, wow, a lot of ships only have four people, mm -hmm. that those roles, that, that kind of leads me to think that those roles will be split amongst multiple people like maybe the pilot is also the engineer the guy who sets up the conditions right for the, how the ship operates mm -hmm. um or the science officer you know the first officer does it 
and there's only one other guy who can run around and, you know, man the guns and prepare things on the fly and, you know, patch holes or do whatever he's going to do during a fight. Um, think on bigger ships, absolutely is going to be great, especially if you get up into, you know, maybe a seven-person ship like the Hammerhead. I think that's going to make that fun because you'll truly have an engineering team at that point. Yeah, but I, I don't think you have enough space for an engineer. So the thing that I found interesting was, especially maybe because they use the Carrick in so many of the images, is, yeah, maybe in the sense that maybe someone's really good at tuning, so they would preset that, and they might not be, they might be a crew of the ship, or maybe you have someone in your right. org who would tune it for you, but they don't go on the actual trip. Um, well, that's true. That's possible, too. But I, the way they talked about it makes it sound like you need, you know, more crew than your ship can actually support. You know, for instance, right. if you were in a battle situation on a Carrick, there's six crew and the crew max is there because the life support will only be able to handle for a period of time that amount of crew. So you know that right. you can't hot bunk like a lot of people have been thinking about. Everyone's like, oh, you can hot bunk. You can't. You can't. Uh, the life support won't allow you to. Um, at least my understanding is. <coughs> so, like, I would imagine I'm more so leaning towards on the maybe large ships that aren't capital. That will be more likely the same person doing all of those things. Right? So you would need to have right. a good, well-rounded engineer. Someone who's good at sort of all those components or at least most of them. Whereas in a, a large capital ship, yeah, you're, you're probably going to have multiple people. Um, and you know, the head of engineering is probably the manager looking at the interface, calling out to the team who will have specific zones that they cover. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, you know, I think kind of like, uh, things, the ships that kind of equate to a world war two bomber, yeah. They would have definitely a flight engineer. The flight engineer typically was, uh, and I had uncles who were actually in this role. They would uh, they would be seated for takeoff and landings between the pilot and the and the co-pilot, and they would operate the engineering panel, which kind of controlled throttles for the pilot, so he could just fly the plane, um, feather the props, whatever. Uh, but when they were in combat, he would jump up in the top turret. That's where his position was. Um, Oh, wow. So I think that there will be some, you know, and, and you know, you can imagine, you know, I, I kind of envision like uh, the retaliator being a lot like um, a B-17 or a PT boat, you know, the patrol boats, you, mm -hmm. got, you know, one or two guys that are kind of running things by the seat of their pants, the pilot, co-pilot, and then the rest are balanced between gunnery and fixing stuff, you know, except for the radio operator and a bombardier. Um, yeah. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Uh, but yeah, I think those are, I think those are kind of played as different roles and yes, they will be shared on smaller ships. Yeah. Well, especially like a Connie where unless, you know, like, like you said, the, the pilot or captain, they might already have that skill set, So they, they'll, they'll tune it themselves. Right. Right. They, they know what they want out of their ship, but um, you know, the pilot can't also 
be the mechanic. And if you want a fully gun, right, if there's four people on a Connie, pilot two gunners, then you've only got one person who could be the mechanic. And there's no one who's looking at an engineering interface except for the one who's trying to put out the, the fires, you know? Right. Um, yeah, it was really good, though. I mean, how excited are you now since you've been sort of skewing towards that and the industrial side of things? Yeah, very. I think that's, I mean, that gives me, the engineering is actually, I mean, it's logical. I probably would, probably could have envisioned that. You know, if someone said, what do you really see it happening like? But I, I like the fact that they brought in things that are a little more out of the box. Like, you know, it's not just going to be replace a component. Yeah. Do I have one in stock? Let's do it. Uh, it's going to be, holy smokes, <laughs> it's overheated and we need, <laughs> or it's overcooling and we need a flamethrower. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, I like that. Kind of a little mentality. MacGyverism, <laughs> yeah, a little MacGyver. Yeah, you need the, the, the duct tape and parachute cord, and you'll be there. Um, yeah, I thought that was good. I uh, I think it's exciting. I yeah, I think it sounds like a really interesting crew position. It it has me thinking about like even I mean I go back I go back to it all the time where I'm like, you know, the Carrick. If I were to fully crew that. It'll, it'll be hard. Like, you know, you've got the, in my opinion, the captain and the pilot are two separate people. So that's two. And then you've got four others for a fully crewed ship. There's four right. gunner spots. So then the question. And you need scientists. Well, yeah, but if I'm talking about when you're actually defending the ship, like the scientists would move into gunner positions, you know, like in my in my mind, since the crew limitation is six, someone's got to do double duty, right? You're not naturally deciding to be a gunner the whole trip. It's only if you encounter danger. And then even then there's one person who could quickly interact with the gun because one of the science stations also accesses the uh, turret, right? So I always, I think of the quote unquote science deck of the bridge, the top upper deck, because it's got the map and it's got two stations that seem right. more like, um, more science oriented crew stations. And then you've got, you know, down below, you probably have the pilot and then um, the engineer. Hopefully they can actually view systems from an MF from the co-pilot seat. And then you've got someone who's probably going to be on comms slash, you know, management. I do think comms is going to be a very interesting one. Yeah, because comms could also be um, electronic warfare, mm -hmm. uh, but just comms alone could be busy. You got ship, yeah. and you got inside the ship, you got ship to ship, you got ship to fleet, you got ship to other ship. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, you know, person to you know, area of the ship. I mean, there's so many options there. You got record and playback functions, and analysis. You know or noises and matching and things like that. So comms could easily become as complex as, uh, as an engineer. Um, yeah. I don't know that. Um, I'm trying to think of another one that could be that complex. I mean, I. 
Well, it depends. I think it depends on the scenario, right? So, right. Um, yeah, but I don't think in this game, comps <clears throat> will be like the last on the list. I would tend to agree, Cause, especially because of the impact not. of Discord, right? Yeah. I don't know how you would, you know, there would have to be a massive advantage to being in game using your comps for it to really take over. I yeah. mean, it's great because it's all proximity and it's all. You know, it's really good. It's very spacious and immersive. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, you never know. I mean, I, I just don't think they're focused. They have so many other more critical issues to handle. Yeah. Or, you know, that they come just like on the, you know, yeah. on the very last sort of a... Yeah, yeah. I just, I think gunnery and being a captain or being the uh, pilot are pretty much defined right now. I mean, there's not. I don't know. You could do much more with those. So I, while you guys were talking, I got in. I'm on Orison, about forty frames. You know, it's really not bad walking around here. Yeah. So far, so good. Yeah, yeah Orison was surprisingly good for me. Oh, Orison's great. I set my uh, spawn point there because right now it takes you know less than a what, minute to get out. Yeah, it's a lot quicker than it used to be. Yeah. I did I do the uh, the. I didn't mention this before, but I did the go kart racing, which was fun. Uh, how was cool. it? It's really hard. It's a hard track, and the wheels are fall off real easily. <laughs> I mean, I am really the same like you. Vulture was my really. I was really counting on Vulture for this patch. Yeah. I'm sure they'll fix it, but I was just so disappointed that. I mean, it's really cool that you could salvage. I mean, really satisfying gameplay. I really enjoyed it, but when you didn't collect anything, that was really... Yeah. It'll... Hopefully within a week or two, we'll be talking about how fun we're, how much fun we're having. Uh, and then we're not far away from 319 because they want to get that out before the end of May. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I only, I only used my alternate character. I did not bring my main character in. So... I haven't done anything with it except for reset them at one point because I tried to use them and it didn't work. So everything's uh, on my alt. Let me ask you what did did everybody get a buccaneer? Because I have an extra buccaneer. Um, it's usually the loner for uh, arena commander. Well, yeah, but I have it in PU. So. Yeah, because they don't they don't have a way of changing how it's attributed. So you get an NPU also. Oh, cool. Well, I think um, it's the loner for having a vulture, actually. Well, right. But I, I got the vulture, so the buck was supposed to go away. No, but because you have the vulture, you're not going to play Arena Commander with a vulture. Oh, I see what you're saying. So, they, so I get to keep the buck. Yeah. And, until, yeah. They, they do it so that in Arena Commander you at least have one combat ship you could use. And they don't, because it, it doesn't look at your entire account and go, oh, well, you've got a buttload of ships right now. Right now, So it's when you have a ship that can't be a combat ship. Like if I had a Cuddy and that was my only ship, I wouldn't get a loner. I could fly the Cuddy. Plus you get rack and can rent ships. But because if you have an industrial ship, then um, they give you a buck as a loner. But it's a full functional bug, meaning I can up, you know, upgrade it and do whatever I want with it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool! Wow. Well, it's yeah. one less ship I need to buy, so I'm pretty happy. 
I've got the Aurora MR, if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> so <laughs> good. I have an ES and a CL for my kid. Yeah, but, but this is like really, really, we're down to budgeting again. I mean, I'm literally watching like how much water I drink and, you know, how much gas I put in because I have no right. money and no way of making money right now. Right. Oh, how much money did you start with, Chekhov? 200000 Oh, okay. No, oh, I yeah, mean, so you're just not some, spending it right away. No, you're I'm trying not spending to make it. it. Exactly. I want to spend it on something that I can make with. But yeah. uh, speaking of water and food, uh, it's depleting much, much faster. Than I, I thought so, too. Oh, I yeah. I thought so, too. It's it's crazy. Before, if you were just you know not running around, just flying around, it would almost be at 100 all the time. It's not the case anymore. I mean, I was I was just flying around, and my water went down. To 30%. Yeah. It's going a little fast, I think. I don't know if they intend, whoo, if they've intended for that or uh, no. Yeah, but I do Test agree about the, the um, I, I'm, I'm not in, the, in even the very high mode, but the graphics are super, super cool. I mean, you can definitely see the difference. Yeah, I, my shadow's performing exponentially better than it has before even um so yeah that's good stuff um and then uh last week we also had a star citizen live first half of the episode had benoit as the guest and um you know first of all jared caveated the entire episode with um nothing is going to be discussed that's actually going to be like about game development. So we're not going to learn anything about progress or anything from that episode. It was just kind of, you know, people shooting, the shooting the shisa. So, mm-hmm. um, from uh, Montreal was the first guest. They talked a little bit about turbulence history with star citizen and how they've essentially been there since the beginning and have been the partners that have stuck around the longest. Um, the goal too was always to have turbulent be very dedicated to star citizen and, and the work that they do. Um, so far the Montreal team is up to 200 people. So they're growing pretty mm. fast. Um, this big. Yeah. Early days, they tackled the website. They also did things like the star map. They did spectrum, a whole bunch of other, uh, other things that we've seen, including the Delta patcher, um, right now they have 50 developers exclusively focused on server meshing. So, cool. you know, it's a lot of developers tackling a very complex problem. Uh, additionally, he's built out teams focused on characters, gameplay, locations, branding, and a new ship team. So the goal there is really to, to work autonomously and be able to um, drive a lot of content builds, which is exactly what we were talking about last week with, you know, the idea that they're going to start to be able to crank out some stuff. And it does feel like they're sort of the squadron or the um, PU studio right now, or at least the biggest dedicated one to the PU. Right. Um, the second group was the squadron 42 art team. They didn't talk about squadron 42. Um, so if you're super interested in hearing about them, uh, go, watched the episode but i did not recap it um for for anyone's sake so that was star citizen live uh did you i'm guessing you didn't catch a check off if you didn't see no i didn't i didn't watch live on that one how about you seaguard 
part of it, and then I had to head out for the day, so uh, I didn't really get back to it. So I watched the whole thing. Uh, it was good. Yeah. I preferred the Benoit part, if you can't tell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was interesting around that. I mean, like when they got to the 200 people, I was like, wow, that's pretty significant. Yeah, that's not nothing it's a to... chunk. Nothing to, uh, to shake your head at. Right. Um, it's pretty exciting. Um, so for this week, uh, so first of all, um, this week's content, they started out with talking about the current state of 318. So they said Star Citizen Alpha 318, which they've titled Lasting Legacies. If you guys can't tell why, it's because of persistence. <laughs> um has launched onto the live servers. This significant increase represents a crucial milestone for the project as it introduces the implementation of persistent entity streaming, a vital core scalable technology crucial for server meshing and the entire Star Citizen experience. We want to express our immense gratitude to our community who provided invaluable feedback during the PTU testing phase, which helped us get this one out the door. We knew that a live release was necessary to continue testing at a scale only possible in the live environment. And for all those complaints, sorry, I'm jumping in here because I've seen a lot of complaints. For all those complaining about they should have tested it more in PTU to make sure it was ready, had not clearly tested it in PTU because it was in a very good state in the PTU. Exactly. It was only the integration into live that that we've been seeing these issues. So please calm down, folks. Yeah, but I also think that the amount of people that tested in PTU is nowhere near That's what it the is. amount of people are coming into PU. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But the biggest, I, I don't think it's that. I think where they really, they dropped the ball is they dropped the ball in communication. That's oh, number yeah. one. And what I would have done is I would have closed down or temporarily put on hold any new uh, sales like uh, pledges. I mean, think about it. Can you imagine yeah. somebody coming in right now yeah. and getting a show? Which actually, case in point, I think somebody in, in, in our in Discord did yep. that. Yep. Right? It, yep. It, it, that's insane. I a mean, listener, it, no less. <laughs> right. If it was me, I, I would be gone. I would just gone and would never look back and say, oh, my God, this is a nightmare. The other, the other thing is they – they pushed, you know, they pushed their normal marketing content, which I get it. But then you have this amazing trailer, Lasting Legacies, playable now. And then it's like, not really. Yeah. Um, so I, I can relate to that. I just think the people who are like, geek down, get it out until it's ready. They're kind of wrong. I just think they should have they should have held off on the marketing push for yeah, a little exactly. bit. The marketing should have stopped. And it's so easy. You just, I mean, shut down the page. Just say, sorry, the... The sale is not available temporary closed, you know. Thank goodness they thank goodness they didn't put the free fly right away. I think that's why they held off, like I said. Um, because that would be even worse. Um, anyway, so they said while we anticipated there might be some initial hiccups with the launch and tried to set your expectations accordingly, it is still un- unacceptable to us that so many of you have that so many of you have been unable to enjoy 318 properly. I like that they use the term unacceptable. Please note that we're all hands on deck working to get remaining issues resolved and getting things running smoothly as quickly as possible. While we've already seen improvements in many areas, there's still more work to do and the right people are on it. In the meantime, we'd like to take a moment to highlight some of the vital resources at your disposal. I'm going to cough for a second. Hang on. 
<laughs> While you're coughing, this is hilarious. So I'm at Oris and, you know, at the ship uh, retrieval stations. I had like 20 people just uh, laying around, twirling. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess because the ships are not coming up. Well, you can't. One thing, folks, if you are, you gotta, don't try to call the ship more than one time. Just wait. It takes a while. But for some reason, I was having an issue with my vulture specifically that when I called it, it wouldn't get, wouldn't come. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. So, you know, sorry to interrupt. You know what I noticed? If you call a popular ship, that's exactly what's happening, like the vulture. But if you call something that's uh, unusual or unpopular, it comes right up. Case oh. in point, my whole A came right up. Oh, wow. But vulture, I couldn't retrieve. Wow. I mean, it makes sense. I, I don't know. It makes well, sense in the sense does, that that's right? an issue. I don't. I don't get it. But I'm not a developer. Um, but yeah, on on that this week in Star Citizen, they have the server pa- server status page to show you how the servers are going. Known issues list that they're currently working through. They have the issue council in case you're experiencing any new bugs. Uh, and then they said once again, we want to thank you all for your patience and support rest assured that we're aware of the current issues and working diligently to get them addressed so that we can all dive in and enjoy the new and exciting content in 318 such as the long awaited introduction of salvage the cargo refactor new racetracks locations and more um so this week we will um we'll have a whitley's guide post on the 300 series tomorrow on tuesday Thursday's Inside Star Citizen will dive deeper into the modular mission system. So this is exciting because, you know, we've gotten content around the modular buildings, around the modular underground locations, and now we're going to learn about the modular missions. So hopefully they're starting to tie some of this stuff together. It sounds like that's what they're going to be doing. And then Friday, uh, Star Citizen Live, they're going to announce the uh, person later this week. So that's it for this week. Uh, now, for tips and tricks. Um, we did not have any submissions via our Discord, as far as I know. Let me just double check. As I know, Canuck had a few, but I think he... Oh, look at that. Uh, it's, it's like I was absolutely uh, precog. He typed them in after I um, put the notes together this week. Uh, so Canuck has a few, uh, and I think all of his are related to 318. So for anyone in 318, uh, Canuck 2099 said, uh, for these two tips, you have to use R underscore display info enabled. So for those who don't know it, you hit tilde. You can hit R tab, and then it'll tell you a list of numbers. He said you'll need to, um, you'll need to use one two or three in order to get the right information about your session. So uh, tip a, when you have R underscore display info enabled information about your session is in the top right corner of the screen. Most folks know that it shows your FPS, the servers, FPS, the time, etc. But now it shows you what shard you're in. This is important because 318 live We'll try to put you back in the shard you were last in. If you return to the same shard, your unstore items persist. 
but if you are in a different shard, don't bother looking. They won't be there. There is no way, to my knowledge, to see what shard you are in. There's no other way, rather. Uh, and then he said, B, when you have display info enabled and you open your personal inventory, there is now information in the upper left corner of your screen only when the inventory is open. That inventory tells you how many items are currently queued for moving to your ship or equipping or unequipping articles. So essentially it says pending moves and what the delay is. There's a stopwatch that gives you the average time for each item to be moved. Currently it's very slow and I would not recommend you over queue item movement or item equipping because the server issues from PES. But if it's open, you can at least track how many items are queued and see the stuff that's actually happening as the number goes down despite the slow game response. I put a screenshot to show what it looks like. Obviously I can't share with you. Hang on. I'm sort of at the tail end of my cold, but I just get this tickle in my throat after I talk for a while. Uh, and then he provided a bonus tip. If your game is loading and it's taking a long time, hit the tilde key and read the display message. It's not exactly as hard as reading the matrix code, but it gives you information on the load status of your character and whatnot. So at least you can see your game you can see that your game is not crashed. This also works if you die and you're loading into your spawn or you're entering or exiting prison. You just have to read it a bit and you'll get the gist of what's happening to your character. So those are Canucks tips and tricks. Uh, check off. Do you have any tips or tricks for the listeners? Uh, you know, I did something. This was uh, back at 317 and I actually posted a video. So, I was bored, and uh, so with a uh, fellow citizen, I experimented. What I did is I rented a razor, and I wanted to see if I could fit it into Cutlass Black. And uh, it actually worked, but I had to cut off the wings. <laughs> so, I, uh, well, we tried the torch, right, the, uh, the multi-tool, yeah. well, that didn't work. So I actually, we actually lined it up and we used the turret on the cutlass to shut off the wings. So we <laughs> trimmed the wings off and not only it worked, it fits right in. We took, took it in, took it out. It was actually in space, in, in Atma, it was totally unbalanced, but, but in space, it was totally balanced and flyable because when we did, after we put that in, we went and we did bounties. So he was able to actually shoot missiles out of the back with an open door of the cutlass. So it's a very cool experiment and it kind of worked. So able to fit it completely in and close the door. I can fit in the car. I just have to saw my legs off. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. But if it sits, it fits. <laughs> well, the original attempt was to do it with the wings on, but that didn't work. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> hey, you know, but if you I don't want wings. I'd go I'd go straight into an atmospheric flight or fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it survived. <laughs> How about you, Seagard? Any tips or tricks? Uh, let's see. Uh, what did I learn? I'll, I'll give you a tip for where we are right now. I found, uh, and people probably already know this, but I did find that as I got into the game initially, I could move around, get out of bed, and and but my inventory would be slow to load. 
Um, and when I got to sites, the loot boxes would be slow to load. Um, don't drop off right away. Give it a few minutes. Um, things seem to draw in faster, but the back-end stuff, such as populating the inventories and things like that, takes a little longer. Once they're in, they're fine and they're fast. Um, so that would be my tip. Excellent. Yeah, tip oh, number wow. two. Tip number sure. two. Don't log out in your Aurora. As uh, soon as soon as I logged out, I got killed. So uh, I think, as I, we mentioned earlier, so. a lot of people are having issues with bed logging. So I would avoid it if you can. Yeah. Um, one tip I have. Oh, believe it or not, um, I was having such a hard time trying to spawn a ship at Lorville, um, but I killed myself and went back to. Orison, which is where my spawn point is. Somehow I still had my armor on and all of my equipment and I was able to spawn a ship there. So don't be afraid to backspace um, back home if you are having issues. I found I was having issues at Port Olisar as well as Lorville. Um, not as bad at Orison, but it was there was just there's just a, a lot of issues, folks. You know, just deep mm -hmm. breaths, deep breaths. We're testing oh. right now. We're testing. So I just noticed one other thing. I didn't know maybe that I just didn't know that that's possible. Somebody is using a tractor beam in Orison inside. Oh, really? actually lifting things. Yeah. I didn't think that was possible. I thought maybe they um, changed it so that a tractor beam is no longer considered a weapon. Yep. Yep. They're lifting uh, the, the medical carts. I just got smacked in the head with one. So <laughs> Interesting. Huh. Yeah, everybody's bored. The ships, the terminals, by the way, uh, nothing is coming up. You can't even get to the selection part of it. Oh, wow. Yep. What are you going to do? Well, maybe you should go go-karting. Yeah, but how do I get? Oh, yeah, that's right. I could just take a tramp there. Yeah, you go to the vision center. Oh, good idea. Thank you. It's, I... Go as slow as possible the first go-around. The last time I did it, I, first of all, I wrecked two, no, three of them. The last one I wrecked fell on its side and kept spinning in circles and started progressively smoking and flaming more and more until it exploded and launched me about 100 feet into the air. It was, I people were watching my stream. I looked like I was like a crash test dummy. That's I fine. did. I did not marry, make it. I did perish in that process as well. <laughs> now you do know since we've known each other for well the better part of two years, maybe going on three now. But you know, Chekhov's now going to go flip that thing off a bridge. <laughs> just, just for the ejection. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Wait, I thought we started playing together in 2019. Uh, no, no. I, I started playing three point. Uh, one seven? No, maybe even earlier. Yeah, you and I met about 2019 checkoff, and then you met, I think, the the group right after that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know the group. Maybe initially. it was early January or Feb. You guys joined, perhaps. I joined later. I did join later. And I think I even remember checkoff being like, "I know this guy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely pre-COVID. Oh yeah. Well, right. I mean, it 2020, was yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it made sense. We ended up playing a lot more. <laughs> yeah.
you know, founding a podcast and everything. <laughs> we started so, in September of 2020. Um, that brings us to For Science. So, uh, this past week, we didn't get any submissions for science. Um, check off anything? No. Well, I already did that. Yeah, you sort of did a tips and tricks for science That's true. Yeah, that technically, you posted that in for science. We actually read it a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. When you posted it. We said, look, Chekhov's here in spirit. <laughs> How about yourself, Sigurd? I would say, uh, yeah, I got one. Um so when you get, if you have a raft out there, and you're going to see this on a couple other ships in different ways, but basically anything that has a container, like the raft has three containers on the back of it, will actually, when you go to order, some, you go to try to buy something and load it on your ship, you have to specify which of the three containers you want it to go in. <clears throat> so each of those containers has 32 um, boxes in it. So you actually can go in there and say, I want 32 of iron to, or gold to go in box number one. I want 32 of something else to go in aluminum in the middle. And I want, you know, um, weight, human waste in the third one. Um, and then you can also sell them that way. So it's a little bit different on the interface when you go to the ship. Um, and it can be a little confusing, but just, just look for that. And uh, it'll open up each of the pods separately for you. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that's great! Yeah, that the new interface—I forgot about that. Right. Um, I did a couple things for science actually since we launched three eighteen. Um, I definitely tested out trying to find Rex in, um, out in space. Uh, did not find any at, at that time. So, definitely either. You may want to have someone scanning for, I, I think um, it would actually be really good uh, as a group once things are settled to have parties that um, go out there and scan and they're scanning for people who are mining and salvaging at the same time. So wait, can we talk about that for a second? So how do you, I know how you scan for, you know, for asteroids and mining. So, uh, and I tried that. I, I would actually no luck like yourself. But what are you, are you supposed to scan the same way? Yeah. And they will come up just like, you know, you know how the asteroids come up now, like little squares. And uh-huh. as you get close to them, you, you know, you see what they are. So from a distance, the, uh, the wrecks will look the same as an, as an asteroid. Yeah. You can't, the- you can't tell until the icon shows up. So, you know, when you get a rock icon. You can. You can or you cannot? You can. You can check by the RS, the um, reflective signal. If yeah. the reflective signal is a multiple of 2,000, it's salvage with each 2,000 being a component or a, like a wing or a body or the tail, right? No, no. But, but what I'm saying is but when you're pinging, when they're really far away, the only thing I get is distance and a little square that's it yeah so if you sk- there's two ways of doing it you could either approach the square until it shows you the icon and the icon for the rock is a rock you know an asteroid is a rock and then there's a different looking icon that looks sort of like 
wrecked material for a salvageable item. Because until you get really, really close, sometimes you can't even tell. And then as Seaguard's mentioning, that's when you scan down the location. And so like rocks are going to be not, they're usually not whole thousands. So like they're like 1600 or 1900, whereas the salvageable wrecks are, are, um, you know, multipliers of 2000, 2000. Right. So, but, so yeah. how close would you have to be to differentiate a, a salvage from a, a wreck from a rock? It's much farther out. And yeah. I don't think you need the icon. You just kind of go center of mass on the scanned area and try to get a uh, RS um, yeah. signature on your HUD. Yeah. Or, it's, um, it's much further out. HUD. It's, it's weird because. It's hard to tell. For me, I, I can't I can't tell how it's how it may have changed because when I was playing the PTU, it was in the earlier days of of um, Wave One, and um, that's when they had debris all through the asteroids. Like you couldn't go, you know, ten kilometers without bumping into another wreck. Mm. So you'd scan, and all you'd get were, you know, you'd get the actual little crash icons. Um, but now it's mm-hmm. they're more rare. Um, I'm I, sure. I, oh, go ahead. I think the quantanium is also the number for quantanium is 1740, if I remember correctly. Oh. And if you get multiples of 1740, then you know you got quantanium. And uh, well, what's the uh, what's two times 1740? Uh, I'm not even sure. Oh, 30. What I would. Yeah, so you can tell immediately if you get into threes, right, then you know Mm -hmm. you got two quantanium, which is the most common. But if you get anything bigger than that, and it's not an even multiple, you know it's quite a few. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, great. Just got a 30K. Oh, wow. Those have been relatively rare, at least from my experience. First time. Um. Yeah, so there's that. Well, thank you for adding on to that, Sigurd. I forgot that you had mentioned that yesterday. Yeah, see, I've never experienced that in PTU, so I, I don't know. All I see is rocks, and to me it looks nothing different than Yeah, you would, you, would, you would be able to tell the difference. It almost looks like a little explosion type thing. Is there? Are we supposed to get missions also for salvage? That's in 319. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I know. I can't wait for that. That'll make it a little better. Um, then the other thing, I did test out the Corsair because supposedly the flight model's a little bit better and it's a little less clunky. And I will say uh, it, it is indeed uh, the case. It's a much better flying ship now. It doesn't seem to roll or, or ha- tilt in any way. It flies straight, uh, which is good. Excellent. So, we know what time it is now. Mm. Hot Jams by Seaguard. It's like the sickest sounding horse ever. That's caught in the fence or something. <laughs> um, last week, Mr. Seaguard, you asked everyone, how do you envision ship-to-ship resupply 
refuel, rearm, food, drink, repair, occurring, given the eventual appearance of supply ships such as the Vulcan. Uh, Nubkins said, drones, most likely automated in a tier one drop. Mr. Tim said, the possibilities are going to be endless. Uber fleets on the Moby app. There are already tons of medical beacons going off, even in the PTU. If we can create a beacon for repair refuel, the verse will hopefully be able to select a reputable person via a vote system. I'm going to stop here and just say yes. Uh, and then Nubkins clarified also player controlled drones in subsequent builds as things get fleshed out. Uh, Retor for Mentor said. It'll definitely require upgrades and updates to the service beacon system, including tying that to the reputation system. It may require to uh, treat services to players and services to NPCs differently. Someone could otherwise grind PVE beacons to appear clean to then trap unsuspecting service providers. It's one of the most efficient ways CIG can foster positive player interactions in the game. Sorry, my roommate started singing and he scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> I thought he was doing a mating call to my horse for the music. <laughs> um, resupply will also be important for criminals, not necessarily a game style I enjoy, but in order to make high sex spaces safer, stations and even crim hacks will need to become very hard to access if you have the wrong rep. But to counter that, resupply will be important for criminals to have a means to survive as such. Not sure that would justify quote-unquote dark web beacons, though. I just imagine some professional suppliers may just learn to look the other way and help some pirates against a hefty premium in the darker corners of Stanton and, dare I say, Pyro. Captain Syrian said, uh, Captain Kieran said, uh, I, I remember, I, it's been a while since he's posted anything. Yeah. Good to hear from you, Captain. I imagine it will all be done remotely. Using terminals, you can control tractor beams, robotic arms with fuel hoses, all that stuff. Uh, See, that's I, where I was trying to get, that's, he got the intent. Uh, yeah. The others are good answers. That's exactly what I was looking at. Yeah. Box by box is not going to work. Yeah. Right? He sees it as you being know. like interactive, but all done with mechanical arms and such. That's the only way I can <clears throat> see it working. I, I see it similar to refueling as today, but maybe a little bit more complex minigame. Right. Right. That's what I, That's really where I was kind of going. That's what I, I like that answer, too. You never know, though. It could just be, hey, Doc. Um and we got to move this stuff over, but I don't think I don't think they'll go to that length. Yeah, I mean, I could certainly like tractor see tractor beaming like a pallet of stuff off the you know the bottom of a Taurus and or even you know a Vulcan just mm -hmm. towing it onto your ship, and then crew takes time to disperse it you know into storage areas and things like that. I don't think it'll be a massive amount, right? You know, yeah, but, but ammunition. You might want a lot of ammo. You might want a lot of, <clears throat> you know, uniforms and things like that. I mean, yeah. It's, uh, well, it'll be interesting. I mean, you think about it right now. Um, you know, the 
things like ammunition, it's all sort of a mystical beam or right. know, it just happens. But, you know, there will have to be some sort of loading mechanism for that in the future. Correct. They talked about torpedoes having a loading mechanism and you could carry additional in your cargo storage um, for some and of the I, And I don't ships. want it to be, I, you know, I personally don't want it to be so tedious that, you know, it takes forever to do. Um, yeah. But maybe you give up cargo space temporarily to get it all on your ship and then over time, based on the number of people you have on the ship, it gets dispersed automatically or something, right? So, yeah. kind of like your your crew doing things, you know, and storing yeah. it away. Yeah, I, any I'm, others, not, I'm not sure. Any other responses? No, that was the last response. What What about you, Chekhov? How do you see it? Uh, I agree with with Sigar. I mean, it has to be sort of you know playable. It's fun. Like I really enjoy like the, uh, um, you know, when you have just little compartments that you can tuck away stuff, like you know, lockers and all. So right. it, yeah, you just don't want you know stuff like magically appear everywhere. You want it to be a little bit more immersive, but not you know overly tedious. We have to stand there for thirty minutes and carry you know hand by hand. Missiles yeah. from you know interior to exterior, mount them on. You know, yeah, it's definitely a um, it's definitely a balance. Yeah, to say it, the least. It should also it shouldn't it also shouldn't be as fast as reloading your rifle, right? I mean, you're, you're reloading yeah. your warship. I mean, yeah, thirty minutes, maybe twenty minutes. You know, in modern days, so maybe you cut that down to ten minutes in real time in the game. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, what is your question for this week, Sigurd? So I already posted it. It's kind of what I referenced last time. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, the the question is, which would you prefer? Ships released with variations like the Cutlass Black, Cutlass Blue, Cutlass Red, or would you like to see multiple ships from different manuf- manufacturers that compete head to head? Um, each being artistically representative of the different manufacturer, but otherwise very similar in layout, performance, and equipment. So, you know, instead of having a, a cutlass black, a cutlass red, a cutlass blue, you would have a MISC cutlass, a MISC or an RSI cutlass. You would have a, a Argo cutlass, right, with all the representative um, things that are from from, let's say, oars and Crusader style would be, you know, like the A2, right? Would have been a great competitor to the Cutlass Black. Uh, you could imagine a MISC one would be similar, right? It would have similar function and be competitive on the market against its its rivals. So that's the question. It's already posted, so. Excellent. Um, and then we got a few questions. They're all from Canuck4 today, as he loves his number four. Um, so he said, relating back to inside star citizen, if you've not already talked about it, do you feel that having three distinct engineering roles as described in the episode is getting too granular? Do you like the idea of having hyper-specific roles for players on ships at the risk of having difficulty finding crew, or would you prefer a more broad-based role for engineers? Chekhov, what do you think? Oh, wait, sorry, I passed it. 
Uh, so, so just as a as a reminder, he's he's referencing an inside star citizen. There are three roles, uh, or th- they said three hats that an engineer can take. And on larger ships, they might be distinct people. Uh, one is a tuner, right? So they're setting the boundaries and parameters that your components and your ship systems can reach in order to fit a particular play style. So, for instance. I want my character to be tuned so that it is hyper efficient so I can go longer distances um, because I plan on being on a long expedition without any refuels. The tuner would preset that stuff up. They might even be the person selecting and and putting the components on your ship uh, based on what your objective is. Then they have the mechanic who's fixing everything, right? They're putting out the fires, they're repairing components, they're repairing relays, they're putting new fuses in, etc. Uh, and then there is the manager, the person who's overseeing the UI and looking for problems, but they're also the one managing the performance of those devices via the UI, right? So, you know, changing power to shields, etc. cetera. Uh, the way that they had described it, checkoff is almost as if there would be multiple people on the ship, you know, or multiple engineers focused on each one. Um, So Canuck said, relating back to Inside Star Citizen, if you've not already talked about it, do you feel like having three distinct engineering roles as described in the episode is getting too granular? Yeah. Do you like the idea of, yeah. So do you like having specific roles or having uh, and, and risk finding crew for it? Or do you prefer more broad-based role for engineers? Yeah, I think the way you just described it, definitely way too granular. I, mean, I, I would say more broad-based. Is, uh, I, I just don't see it. That's, that's too much. That's like, that's already like real work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just I can see maybe it. like, I could see it being split between the tuner slash manager and a mechanic on a bigger ship. But I don't know about all three. What about what about you, Seaguard? We, I mean, we were sort of talking about this. Yeah, but feel I, free to I jump back in. I look at it purely as a role. I don't look at it as a position. I, I, you know, there's only a handful of ships that have seven, and even the biggest ships, some of them only have five, like the Hull E, right? Um, so I think that role may be covered by one or more persons who also do other roles. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I do think that that level of granularity is necessary for multi-crew play, right? If you're flying a fighter, I think you should have um, the ability to fly the aircraft and do the things you, you want to do, but tweaking it on the fly should be a lot harder than you know, for a crew, a multi-crew ship. Yeah. You should have more flexibility. If they want to take their time and adjust their power, you know, to give the shields just that little bit more edge than that fighter has, that's why you have multiplayer crews. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, the fighter pilot's only got limited uh, choices, but he's very dedicated at one thing, shooting you down. Right. Um so I think yeah. and that's kind of how it works in the real world. I mean, I look at um, the tank. I mean, the firing of the gun is aiming and firing of the gun is very easy. Driving the tank, very easy. I mean, it literally, I could take a, take a 10-year-old and teach him to do either relatively quickly, not to the precision of an adult, obviously, but 
soldiers are highly trained, but there's a handful of buttons, maybe eight buttons and knobs you got to deal with. Um, all the prep is done before you go into the fight. Yeah. You know, bore sighting the equipment so the lenses are all looking at the right place and, you know, cleaning off the optics and uh, cleaning the barrel and all that stuff. Um, categorizing like the type of ammo you have and which batch of ammo and its flight characteristics. So all that is, it's, it's extremely detailed. Uh, we actually have to follow the book. We have the book open almost all the time when we're doing this prep because it's so it's it's got so many steps um so i think i think that level of realism is pretty good a pretty good balance for a multi-cruise ship um i'd really be interested in seeing about the on a cargo ship it's you know a lot of it's not just the piloting the pilots pretty boring on a cargo ship in real life i would think but handling of the cargo balancing of the cargo make sure you don't have things that explode uh, positioning so they're not near other flammable objects that may interact with them uh, hazardous materials you know those are all things that the cargo chiefs and the engineers are talking about very in depth um, you know you don't want a battery acid right next to you know <laughs> you know uh, water you'll end up with uh, you know killing everyone with with fumes inside the ship yeah um, so i think i think for different types of ships the detail is necessary yeah i i think it's just going to boil i personally think it's just going to boil down to the size of the ship i can see that granularity working fine on capital class ships with a pretty large crew yes yeah um because the manager will be seeing the overall systems of the ship and you may have more than one engineer moving about um you know but ultimately canuck i think for most of us we're probably going to need a more generalist engineer i think that just means that people are going to have to know that they want to be really good at all three areas if you want to be a successful engineer in the game um but then they could probably end up charging more for salary uh if if you know I, we don't know how the payment system will work in the game and and who knows if you're with your friends how how people behave but you know i would imagine that you know they would be more expensive than someone who can only do one or two of those things you know it does make me wonder like if they're going to have different types of ships maybe older models of ships that are they work more more on like um redundancy so maybe you have two of everything or a third if you have two, like two, maybe you run with two coolers normally, but uh, the ship is equipped with three. And if you mm -hmm. lose one, you still operate with two versus a new ship, which might have, you know, automated routing and it just uses one, but it has an auto repair cycle. You're, you know, you're, you're not moving parts so much. You're just rerouting things from a terminal. Um, yeah. And then AI blades and things could do a lot of that for you. You pay the money, right? I mean, so you know, maybe that's the difference between an Aurora, you know, the, the 2023 Aurora and the, the uh, 3000 year model, um, you know, that type of thing. Pay more money, and military things would be would have a lot of redundancy in them. Right? Yeah, They'd be very shielded from EMP and um, and all those things. Whereas cargo ships might not be. 
Yeah. I mean, agreed. It'll it'll be really interesting to see how that how that plays a, a part in what it looks like in the future for sure. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, second question by Canuck. <coughs> uh, with three eighteen sort of out now on the live servers, provided you could get in, what is the first thing you'd like to do or test once things settle into a playable state? That was not in three seventeen. Uh, so check off once you have Salvage, your brothers. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, Seagard? Uh sand caves. Oh, nice. Um, salvage is the same for me. I would, I would want to play some more salvage. I haven't had the chance to play enough of it, um, and I want to see how quickly I can make money off of it. Um, and then the next thing I want to do is sort of plan a couple expeditions in the same caves and stuff that would be fun um next question the consensus on the newly released scorpius and terrace is that the role of the co-pilot having no view no situational awareness one useless M- mfd and no control of the emp or snare aside from pressing a button at the pilot's command is terribly implemented and will result in a very dull gameplay for the person in that position. What do you think can be done to save this ship without making its competitors obsolete? Check off any thoughts mm. on how to fix the Scorpius and Terrys. Uh, so, well, of course, I, I, I have not blown it. So mm. yeah, they're saying that, the, that this is the turret. Yeah, so station. so the the turret station is the one that controls the EMP as well as the um, mm-hmm. the quantum. It's not a snare; it's a, uh, a blo- essentially inhibitor. Inhibitor, yeah. What the problem is? It literally only shows you like the two components and the on buttons, versus you don't have any heads up display on. You don't even see like where your enemies are in relationship to you. So unless you can see it out of the little glimpse of the front, you're reliant on the pilot there. And there's no other function. That's it. You can't control you can't control any other MFDs, so you can't even, you know, shift power. They can't put you in control of the missiles. It's literally you press a button. Wow. Uh, that's a good question. I drunk uh monkey. I don't know. drunk monkey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just uh, get rid of it. Well, the other EMPs don't really have much, too much control anyway, right? You turn it on, and then uh, you know you blast it within the proximity, and I'm sure it, it gives you proximity, right, to the target. No. Oh, you can't even target. No. Oh. You wow. literally only you're pretty much staring at a screen. Yes, well, you have to have ability to target, I guess. That's, that's one fix, but I don't know if that's the answer that uh, they're looking for. But I, I'll let Seagard go first, and then I'll share my thoughts. But what are your thoughts, Seagard? Um, sure. Yeah, I don't own one. Um, I, Seagard rarely says that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. Now I have to go buy one. No, the uh, I I think that everything should be controlled by the pilot, right? I think it's um, 
think that is a factor. Um, I think that the, the second in, in I'd go with a real life solution, which would be you would reharvest that position either for more fuel, uh, more electronics, or for uh, potential sto storage, right? But I think additional fuel would be a good spot for that. Just take the seat out altogether and just make it a fuel bank so it can travel farther. Mm -hmm. Or put in a, a, nether f a larger power supply system so that it could run the two devices more efficiently. Mm -hmm. um, it becomes a one-person ship. Um, I think that would probably be a better way to do it. Okay. I personally, I don't like the way EMP and QED currently work anyway. Right? It's sort of just like... Maybe maybe the interdiction part of it is fine. And even EMP, like if they kept it the way it is, maybe it's fine. But what they should do is make it almost like, just like a remote turret. You get in, it brings you into a digital interface, and you can see what's going on. So instead of having a um, turret there, maybe you can have a camera. So the person can at least see and have situational awareness. But I do think the quantum enforcement device you know we're keeping people from quantuming away i think it should right. be more of an active task right i feel like you have to maintain a lock on someone maintain Great. some sort of lock not the same as a missile lock but like some sort of similar type of functionality in order to keep them from quantuming away so that gives the pilot who is is being blocked the ability to potentially break that lock Right, so it's like maybe right. a signature lock of some sort, um, and that way, you know, it gives someone something to do besides that. Or you give the person the ability to also manage MFDs. It also gives the the person the ability to manage missiles. And if you give them some situational awareness, then they can make the call themselves. Because um, the whole idea is, if you're going to outsource this to a second person, they should be able to do it more efficiently than the pilot. And right, right now, if you're responding based on when the pilot says, that's not more efficient. That's, you know, a second after. Right, right. I, I, I kind of can see that. Um, I, you know, I've, I have the Mantis and, mm -hmm. you know, it's a struggle to figure out how you're going to use it. Um, and I think the, you know, the Antares is going to be the same way. The one thing both ships have in common is they're both pretty fast. Um, yeah. But if you have to be within 2,000 meters of someone to keep them from jumping away from you, you either have to be able to chase them down but not get too close else you get shot down, or you have to be able to run away from them and hold your own and keep that distance at the right distance, right? It's, yeah. Um, but if you could just, you know, if you had the ability to, let's say, put the... the um, Maybe they extended a little bit further. You couldn't prevent anyone. It's kind of like a time-based thing. Once I got into your your uh, your zone where I'm holding you from jumping, based on your electronics, you would eventually beat down my or overcome my my blockages, and you'd be able to jump away. Yeah. Um, so I could make it, let's say, two miles, right? And once you enter that circle. 
at two miles. Um, I'm outside of your weapons distance, but if I can stay with you as the defender, uh, eventually I'll just be able to jump away whenever I want. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know that the play right now is quite, excuse me, quite right. Yeah, I'm struggling with especially the interdicting part. And I kind of feel the Mantis itself is is kind of the it's the only ship that can interdict, right? Correct. It the truly Cuddy, has the ability to drag you out. Oh yeah. The that's Cuddy right. Blue can't interdict though. It can keep it could um only keep, keep you, you from there. quantuming. Um yeah. and same as the Antares. And that's but, only for two thousand meters. Yeah. In each direction, right? So four thousand yeah. meters overall. But at two thousand meters, I'm hitting you with size threes. Yeah. And I'm certainly firing missiles at you. Yeah. So you have to be I, you really know. good at, at maneuvering. Right. Well the thing the thing that gets me is the poor um mantis is just it's the worst ship to actually pull someone out of quantum because it's not exactly packing a punch. And you don't know exactly. who's coming out. So you're a support ship at the end of the day for a bigger fleet. Correct. Correct. And, you know, they don't give you, like, you don't get a second pilot with that. You don't get anything. I mean, yeah. you get two cannons. You get four missiles. They're good. They're size three missiles. They're, they're pretty deadly. Um, you know, size threes are no joke. Uh, but you don't get any cargo. You get nothing with it. It's um, a very bare bones looking ship, too. Yeah. And on the inside, you have some room. Um yeah, I yeah. think that I think those ships are. I think they're both very cool looking. Um, I really like the Mantis look. I think it's very unique looking, very RSI. But I think the gameplay has to be rethought there. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I just the thing, like for instance, even EMP. Like the thing I don't like about EMP is how. Um, how easy it is to get a crime stat for EMPing the wrong person. Right. Right. Like I feel like That's it should be downside. more of like a it should be more of like a instead of it being a field that goes out in all directions, you should be able to do a focused EMP in a in a given direction so that you can target better target a player. And maybe they'll I'm I'm certain they'll rework that because right now it's just not useful enough to justify the risk. The EMPs are, if you can sweep by a guy and de- you know, set it off, everything gets taken out. I mean, um, it's not a partial you know, impact to your ship. I mean, they just, two ships like that could just shut down anything else consistently as it floats to the ground and crashes. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily like that. Um, it, I, I think if you want to hold a ship, bigger ships that are being uh, pulled by or trying to be dragged by smaller ships should have mass on their size and on their side. And they should be, you know, I, you know, be able to basically, it should be dangerous for a smaller ship to try to tractor or grab a bigger ship Mm. or EMP a bigger ship. Right. Yeah. Um, There should be some consequence. Um, But two or three of you, could be able to you know take down a holy or something, um, but yeah, I, I think they're a little too powerful, not quite flexible enough, and very difficult to use right now. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, now, final question from Canuck: 
Last week, Ben mistakenly said that maple syrup must come from Quebec, Canada, mm-hmm. <laughs> knowing full well that there is excellent maple syrup produced in Ontario as well. Um, what are your thoughts on maple syrup? Is this strictly for pancakes and waffles? What is your favorite non-breakfast use for maple syrup? I like it for a chili maple glaze on my barbecue salmon. What's your favorite non-breakfast use for maple syrup? Check off. Uh, wings. Yep. Maple. Yeah. What about yourself, Seaguard? Yeah, I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to give you an old school one. Um, actually using it on snow cones. Ooh, that is a good. We used, to, we used to tap right into the tree. They had those little spigots. You would tap into the tree and then you, you would literally turn the little wooden handle mm-hmm. or knob and it would it would build up initially and then it would come out slowly on your snow cone. And then they'd move to a different tree after a while. Wow, that sounds <clears throat> so depression era. It's not even funny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that would have been the 70s. I know, I know. It still sounds probably- depression era, though. Up, upstate Pennsylvania, or Pennsylvania, I'm sorry, upstate, and uh, New York, upstate. Um, Just see little Seaguard, little Seaguard with his snowshoes yeah. on, his little, his tennis rackets. Oh, no, 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 no. Little, little Seaguard back then was really skinny. <laughs> no, they still need tennis rackets to walk in the mountains of snow that you used to get back then, that you don't we today. Used to, we used to do that just to make it, we, you know, as kids, we would be like the the brave explorers with tennis rackets on our feet like snowshoes. Uh-huh. That was uh we had sad games. <laughs> Listen, I had a husky and our husky used to pull us on our sleds around our yard. <laughs> it was fun. That's fun. Um I love maple syrup in bourbon. Make a nice old mm. maple old fashioned. Nice. Instead of yes. using simple syrup, use some maple syrup. Um, with a nice like walnut bitters, mm. delicious. Uh, the one thing I would say is, uh, if you're going to use maple syrup in an old fashioned, you want to cut it with some simple syrup or some hot water. So you want to make it a thinner syrup because it does it doesn't incorporate in the drink in its original state. So you need to loosen it up a little bit. But pro tip. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring out one. We're all gonna go. Oh yeah, bacon and maple oh, syrup. A hundred percent. But now you're getting kind of close to breakfast, even though yeah, you can have that bacon any time of the day. That is good. That is good. A maple BLT, maple bacon BLT. Yeah, Canuck yeah. might remember this one. We used to go to Tremblant. They would. Uh, have this little stand where they would come out and put it was a barrel with snow on top of it, and they would just come out and pour the like a little uh, uh, maple syrup right on top of the snow, and then give you yeah. one of those little sticks, and then you just roll the stick in a in the snow, and you get a little maple syrup lollipop. Yeah, Same. Wow. it's like the snow cones. Yeah, it's very similar. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I always got the snow that was yellow. I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense now, though. Right, you have to stay away from you know. Don't go with yellow snow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, excellent. Now, 
honored heretic actually submitted a question between Canuck entering them and me doing the notes. Uh, and his question was, how are the 318 bugs treating you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, check off how they're treating you tonight. Oh, I'm just kind of flying around. I did a little buggy race. Now getting off at the space station. It's got, it's okay. I, I'm 30K. They got back in. So can't get any ships out. But I'm just going to walk around doors. All right. Uh, Sigurd? How they've been you know, I'm, I'm not in right now, but I haven't tried it since yesterday. But again, it was uh, it was going well for me. All right, it uh, it really was. Yeah, well, we all. But I, honestly, I think it, the game is dead right now. You can't get any ships out. Yeah, uh, it's a hot mess for me, and it's just frustrating. I'm hoping they get yeah. something patched soon. Uh, one thing I noticed while we were talking is uh, they didn't mention Stella Fortuna this week. Hmm. Even though, you know, St. Patrick's Day is this week. And, you know, Nets Mage was saying in in Parlay House, like, how funny would it be if they try to pull off a Stella Fortuna sale while everyone's dealing with this BS? So they might delay Stella Fortuna until they feel like their Fortuna is a little better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, no lie. Well, let's see. What do, you, what do you think they're going to have? I mean, they obviously will have the the standards for Stella Fortuna. You think they'll have any stuff that's new for Stella Fortuna? They'll probably add one or you know they almost always add at least one or two paints. Yeah. Um, well, you game. know, I, we've never seen an armor for Stella Fortuna, right? But we just saw the Valentine, yeah, um, armor, and they look good. I know. I've been really good. I've been rocking that pinkish, that fuchsia one, right. Right. I mean, uh, so I'd like to see some, I would like to see some of that stuff, um, especially since we have some of those green weapons, you know, right? They gave yeah. us some weapons that had like the green FS9. Uh-huh. All right. I mean, that would go well with a Fortuna colors. Yeah. Um, I mean, green's I my favorite like color, that. so I like when they yeah. launch new stuff, but yeah. I've, so far they have it for, wait, hang on. What's got a Fortuna skin? We've got um, the 400i, right? The Mercury Star Runner, right? The Phoenix. Phoenix, but they don't. That's not a Fortuna paint. That's they sell it at Stella Fortuna, right? Yeah, it's yeah, but it is a ship that's Stella Fortuna, right? Yeah, it's, it's a Stella Fortuna version. Yeah, and then same thing with the Ursa, right? Is there anything else I'm missing? I don't have a Pisces, do they? No. I can't think of anything else. I don't know. Um, trying to think what what ships, you know, don't have a lot of paints. Well, does it's the six hundred I there? The six hundred I does not have one right now. Yeah. yeah, that's probably a likely contender. For some reason, they like the origin ships for Fortuna. Yeah. Just like they like the Drake ships for uh, um, for the ghoulish paint. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think one that would be impressive if they did it, um, it would be for a, a very select group of people. Um, but Nick would rejoice. I think the 890 Jump would look pretty awesome in, for, in, for Tuna Green. I would love the 890. I would love to see the 890 Jump in any color combos. 
Yeah, I I would too. I you know, would too. glossy black. Interestingly enough, I don't want to see a Kerrigan green because I don't think it'll look as good. Hmm. Yeah, you're probably right. And and you just got a couple of reds, right? We got the yeah. uh, the bright red. It's like a candy apple red. We have the storm blue. We have um, there's the other white with the blue, like the gray blue, light blue highlights. Yeah. Um. And uh, then we have the standard gray hull and the white top tier hull, right? I think it's the top version has the bright white hull. Well, the um, there's the the one where it won the IAE the first time. That's yeah, the, that's right. That's, that's right. the bright, bright white with the black yeah. bottom and the yellow wind, windshield, I think, or cockpit. I like the uh, my favorite paints for the Carrick are that one. That's my favorite, top favorite one. And then I really liked the Year of the Rooster one because yeah. it was the, the red, gold, and then it had the yellow cockpit still, which looked right. really good on the Carrick and the, and the, and the um, Pisces. The only reason I didn't get them is I don't love the logos. I hate that they put the logo on it. Or yeah, I, that's, it's, maybe it's not that they yeah. put the logo on it. It's where they put it that I don't like. I liked it on the Freelancer a lot. It looked really good, but it had the uh, it looked like a Satan patch. I mean, it had a goat's head. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, that looks bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like the one. For, funny enough, I have the one from for the Nomad. The year that they did the Nomad, I liked that one, and I don't mind the logo on that. Did they do a Stella Fortuna for the Cutlass? I don't think so. Because they have the ghoul. The ghoulish paint oh, they for do the have Cutlass. The yeah. They have the ghoulish yeah. paint for the Cutlass, Dragonfly, Buccaneer, and Vulture. I you know, I don't know if it would look good on uh, maybe like on a uh, Argo raft or something might look good like that. Or a mole. Uh, um, yeah, a mole maybe. Huh. Um uh even the uh mining ver- the mining ship, the uh, uh prospector. prospector. Yeah. That might look good. Maybe. I do wish they would get into some of the, you know, the different colors. They've been doing better lately. I I will give them that. The Yeah. I really liked the um what's it? Con- the crane for the uh RSI constellations. It's the yellow and white. Mhm. It looks fantastic. And then mm-hmm. they did the a gold and black with the Mustang, which looks really really good. Yeah. The vulture. I'd the, like to, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. I was gonna say I'd like I'd like to get some more of the like uh, commercial shipping style paint jobs for the commercial ships. You know. Yeah. You know, they've got some blues and whites in the real world and things like that. Uh, yeah. Because uh, I think those I think those would kind of change up the environment quite a bit. Just getting different color schemes in. It's minor stuff, and it's. No, but, but I mean, in order to get a nice variety for a launch, you know, so that it feels different, they right. gotta sort of start doing it now. The vulture paints look really good. Did you see those? Oh, they looked fantastic. Yeah, the I like the um, 
I don't know. I really like the red and white one, the assembly paint. Mm-hmm. But the the all of them look good. The carbonite paint, which is sort of like a gray and white, looks good. And then they have um, black and silver Longhorn. Uh, is that no, the black and silver one? Uh, no. There's a there's three different variations. There's a white. There's white, black, and red. There's some black, mostly gray and white, like a silvery gray. Right. So, oh, there's like a silvery gray and a light gray in it, sort of. Okay, then, okay. That's what I was thinking. Then there's the longhorn paint, which is the orange gray, and then it looks like even like a like a uh, coppery color at the front. Um, but yeah, those look really good. I I would love um I would I don't know if which one I would want. I see the problem is I also just really love the yellow. So it's like I'm trying to decide if I want to just stick with my yellow. Right. They also have some interesting ship packs like they have the um they have a vulture cutty pack um which man, you know uh, but they Pretty have good. a salvage they, and hauling pack. Yes, with, which also uh, has a prospector. Yeah, a prospector. <laughs> a vulture freelancer prospector. And the little mule. Yeah, great combo there. That little mule is, uh, I love that mule, even though I don't have one. And Well, now it's, <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's two things that are related. One is, you know, the mule does have those paint jobs. It came with quite a few original paint jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Another one that was good was the hover quad had quite a few good paint jobs, yeah. right? The, the copper and the white looked really good. Um, and the raft had the hazard paints and the polar paints and all yeah. that, which I thought were good. Um, but, but going along with the salvaging and the little mole or the little uh, mule, um, the reclaimer is now functional enough and has, you know, it has a, Everyone looks at the cargo area where the two machines are bringing the salvage out as crates, right? It's producing the crates and yeah. you stack them. That's not the cargo floor, the cargo deck. It's the 180 cargo is down on another two, another two floors. Yeah. So you can use the mule now because it can carry boxes with its arms, its forklifts, and its back. Because um, it has the snap two cargo grids. Mm-hmm. And you can actually drive that thing through the ship and download the cargo onto the cargo deck. Mm-hmm. So it's another type of play on that, um, on that ship, which is fun. Um, yeah. The other thing that's related to that was a, if you haven't looked at the vulture video in detail, um, the one they put out about the vulture and it's flying through all the wreckage and everything, there is a section in there where it flies you're kind of looking down on a reclaimer mm-hmm. and the reclaimers um, claw shoots out and smashes into a piece of wreckage to break it up. Oh, I didn't notice that. I'll have to rewatch. Oh yeah. That. I found it the other day and I showed it to the group on the internet or on our, on our, you know, our parley house, but it is, it is in there and it's, uh, it looks spectacular. We slowed it down and it, everything and it still looked just amazing Um, so if you haven't seen that um, it foreshadows what is to come and it it looks good so 
Oh, I got the arrow out of the hangar. I'm in space. Ooh, ah. Chekhov's in space. Yeah. Excellent. Finally, only took what? How long we've been on? Two hours? I yeah. don't think so. An hour and 40. Oh, all right. So it took an hour 40 to there get you go. one hour. Almost two hours. Uh, so any final thoughts for the episode, Chekhov? Anything you want the listeners um, to know? No, just... Um, Real excited for 318. I can't wait to, you know, I'm really, not really upset. I mean, I get it. I understand it. I'm just upset, of, like I said, of how they handled it yeah. with the new players. I feel, I, I just feel sorry for the new players. But personally, I'm not upset at all. I get it. We're, we're, right. we're signed up for an alpha, and it's not, a, it's not a beta. I keep on telling people this is an alpha. And, yeah, we were lucky enough to this point where everything went smoothly. So this is first major hiccup. So yeah, what it is is what it is. All right. Excellent. Seagard, how about yourself? Any final thoughts? Um, just uh, for those Aurora people and Mustang players out there in the Cuddy or the Cutter guys and gals and anyone with the starter ships, the cargo is going to make your lives a lot better. You know, I really enjoy flying the Aurora around. I like flying the Mustang around with cargo on it. Uh, you're going to enjoy those ships a lot more now. Yep. Yes, yes, you shall. Um, you make money fairly quick. So that's right. Uh, and also, folks, if you if you are new to the game and you're looking for um, you know bigger ships to try out, you know, don't be afraid of joining discords we we had a few people join recently who were inquiring about uh sort of that in in the parley house and uh certainly we can always help you crew up and or you can crew up on our ships too um and everybody will have a good time anyway uh my my final thought really is um we are gearing up as i mentioned before uh for our hundredth episode of citizen cast it's in another after this episode airs that there will be five more episodes. So it is coming to the wire. Uh, if you have any highlights that you want us to talk about during our highlight portion of the episode in our um, discord, I have added a highlights tab for you to submit. All I need for you is the episode and a timestamp. And I will go pull that audio um, so far, we've got two submissions from listeners, so we'd love to have a few more uh, to go through. I'm going to go through. I'm going to go and find some myself uh, as well of highlight moments within the show. But beyond that, if anyone can um, please participate, that would be great. Uh, yes, and then if you do have any other content you wish to submit, questions. Uh, things you did for science, tips, tricks, anything you want to discuss with any of us, uh, you can do so by emailing at citizencastsc at gmail.com. You could DM our Twitter handle at citizencastsc. You could submit a message through through Anchor, which is now being renamed um, Spotify for Podcasters. I'm not sure if that functionality will remain, um, but so far it's still there, so that link is still persistent and works. Uh, you could join our Citizen Cast Discord. 
And last but not least, you can text us or leave a voicemail on our Google Voice number, 646-783-8154. And uh, as always, if you're looking for a crew, looking for an org, or just looking to play with folks in between your solo sessions, uh, take a look at Parlay House. Uh, it's a neutral zone for all players of every type to hang out, socialize, and enjoy the best space sim the verse has to offer. Um, links to the Discord can be found below. Um, another community that Checkoff is very passionate about is that of Slipstream, who have been friends of the show as of late. So uh, take a look at them if you're interested in lending a helping hand in the verse. Um, anything you want to mention about them, Chekhov? Uh Yeah, they're uh, uh, going to be going back up. They're very quiet uh, at the end of the 317. Uh, we have some events planned around rescue. So, yeah, if you're interested in medical play, you don't get paid for it. We don't charge for it. Just uh, helping fellow citizens out and rescuing them. But it's kind of fun. So... Uh, yeah, just uh, let us know. You can always find more info in Parlay. Uh, just ask anybody in chat and we'll guide you there. We also have a rescue link in our Discord as well. So yeah. um, under Rescue Me. So don't be afraid if you are in trouble to call for help, especially now that our um, subscriber items will be lost until the next major patch. So um, being rescued is more important than ever. And, of course, there's fellow uh, friends of the show out there who are content creators. So don't forget to watch uh, the YouTube videos of Earth, Snorkel, and Undead Parrot. Uh, Admiral Cody and Calibri, who created most of the music for this episode, as well as a Star Citizen-inspired album, have links um, below as well. And, of course, Star Jump, featuring um, friends of the show Grim, MVMZO, both have their fleet viewer as well as um, regular Twitch streams and YouTube posts. So take a look at those folks. And that, dear friends, wraps up another episode of Citizen Cast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Check off. It's good to have oh, you back. Yeah, thank you. That yeah. was painless. <laughs> that was fun, actually. Oh, how do you like those splines? I forgot to ask the landing splines. What They're landing back. splines? Oh, you haven't seen them? They, uh, on PO, you get this, you know, like we used to have a couple of patches back. Oh, yeah, the, those have been there. No, they're brand new at 18, no? No, I mean, that's like... No, he's talking, he's not talking the rings around the landing pad where you auto oh. land. He's talking about tubes, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like oh, they... tubes of rings that go down to your landing pad. Oh, I, I didn't see it yet. I, I didn't seen see it. it. Yeah, yeah, they're, uh, they're at D.O. and supposedly in uh, Lorville also. Oh, sort of like the old ones? Yeah, yeah, exactly like the old ones. That's weird. I didn't... I landed at Lorville and didn't encounter them. Yeah, at D.O. they're actually very used because you know how pads are close to each other. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're pretty useful. Wow, that's cool. Now I know the name of the episode. <laughs> the-